It's funny. People always be like, don't forget about the little people. It's like, why do they refer themselves as little anyway, you know? Why don't you just get big with me? Feel me? They can see it in my eyes. What's up, everybody? Welcome to a bonus episode of uh, this week's podcast. I wanted to get it out quickly because I'm on vacation, so... I uh, wasn't sure if I was going to be able to get the episode that I had planned uh, done in time. So this is a chat I had with Andy Williams of the band Every Time I Die. Uh, that episode's already been posted, however, the intro I did apparently isn't there. So I'm redoing the intro, throwing this all back up there with this uh, adjusted intro on there, so that way everything sounds like a normal podcast from me. Uh, that being said, I am in Rhode Island right now for the k final show. Uh... So, travels continue for me. Last week I was in Denver when I posted the Fallon episode. Uh, Right before I left, I had the pleasure of talking to Andy Williams, though, about wrestling. Uh, He currently is in the Canadian area by the thumb of Michigan, over by Detroit, uh, with Smash Wrestling doing a show with Blackwell, and they're teaming up against uh, Halil Beefcake. And so we talked all things wrestling in preparation uh, for that. So this is my chat with Andy, and I just wanted to say thanks again to Andy for taking the time out of his day to talk to me. Uh, right after he got done doing this, I believe he went out to go uh, have dinner with his parents who were celebrating their birthdays, so happy birthday to Andy's parents. Uh, and again, thank you to Andy for taking the time. Uh, couldn't have been nicer and had some good laughs uh, about old wrestling and shit like that and how Andy got into wrestling and it was just fun bullshitting with someone that I've uh, admired for a long time about things that I find interesting. So uh, I'm going to keep this real short, and we're going to fucking get to the podcast. So without further ado, here's my chat with Andy Williams. Well, Andy, thank you first and foremost for taking the time to do this. Um, of course. <laughs> I'm going to just kind of jump right into it with you. Um, you have a wrestling match uh, kind of on the Canadian and Michigan border uh, in Sarnia, I believe is how you pronounce it, uh, at the Station yeah. Music Hall uh, for Smash Wrestling. And you are doing yep. a tag match with Blackwood against the Halal Beefcake, looks like. Yeah, yeah. Um, so before we kind of get to that, let's go back and uh, I've actually always wondered how did you get into wrestling in the first place? Um, that's I mean a, a real weird. I mean, I have an older sister that's about forty. I'll give you the whole origin story. Okay. Uh, my sister is forty six. She's gonna be forty six this year, and uh, she dated this dude in high school named Brett Setlack, and he. <laughs> He was on the wrestling team, and when he would like come hang with my sister, he'd always come with a friend named John Lewis, and John Lewis was also on the wrestling team, and he would always like, I don't know if it was like specific to the days my sister would hang with these dudes, but like they would come over the house, and like John would be like, hey, like NWA wrestling's on, we gotta watch it. Like he would make sure that like he was by a TV when this was happening, so like he would like kind of forced me to watch wrestling with him Mm -hmm. like while like my parents and like sister and and sister's boyfriend were all like hanging out like talking me and this john lewis (laughs) guy would like watch wrestling or whatever and he used to make me like eat milk bones and stuff like that like the guy was like it was pretty awesome it doesn't get any weirder than that i promise but yeah no that's fine he, he would come in and he would you know he would be like uh Hey, NWA wrestling's on blah, blah, blah. Have you ever watched wrestling? And I'm just like, ah, you know, and I would like, I was like, I don't know, eight or nine. So I would, I would, I would like be like, I, I know who Hulk Hogan is, you know, and he, he would like lash out. He'd be like, no, 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 he's not the real world champion. Like Ric Flair is the real world champion. <laughs> and I remember like the very, maybe it was because of him that I got into wrestling like actual like 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 high school and college wrestling right amateur um, wrestling but like i yeah and i like loved rick steiner because he wore like headgear and stuff like Michigan that so boy. like yeah and it immediately became me being a wrestler you know what i mean like so right. like as soon as i could become a wrestler at high school or middle school i like became a wrestler and then wrestled until i was into college or whatever um 
And it's kind of weird, like, when, you know, when you wrestle in, like, high school and shit like that, like, after that's done, there's really nothing you can do. Like, it's, you either go to college, and I went to college for a year and did nothing like that. You know what I mean? So I, I didn't do it, and then, I don't know, I was, like, 18, obsessed with wrestling. Like, the only things I've ever cared about, like, right now, the only things I care about in life are, like, every time I die is number one, my dog Bigelow is two, and then pro wrestling and that's like been that list minus the dog has been the last 20 years you know what i mean but so even like, the dog to a degree with the name is tied to your one well, for two. sure so yeah, yeah yeah um so yeah so anyways uh yeah and, and i i found a wrestling school that wasn't very far it was like in hamilton ontario and it was called renegade wrestling association i started like training there and they give you, they basically like, it's one of these things where you like, you pay, obviously right. all those things are kind of whatever. So you like, you pay, but they like sign you, if they see something in you, they'll sign you for like six months. So like you pay for six months, then after six months, they start like integrating you into shows and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But if you get hurt in that six months, okay. they like wash the, you don't pay the full six months, you just pay up to the point where you're at. And then like. I had no idea that I had a torn ACL and I had, I had a, apparently like I had a torn ACL since I was like 14 or something like that. Like when I went to see the doctor, they were like, there's no remnants of it. There's no ACL. Like you've been oh, doing shit. stuff on no ACL for this long. And my knee had just locked up and I think I tore some cartilage. So they went in and like fixed the cartilage. And that was when I was like, I was 19. Like at that point, you know what I mean? Right. Um, and in the, the, the process of me like healing, I like picked up the guitar and started playing guitar like nonstop. And then Jordan came up to me at a show and was like, Hey, let's start a band that sounds like dead guy. And I was like, okay, yeah. And I've been doing that ever since. So, um, contingent, like contingency plans in my head for children, which is like Keith and Jordan both have kids now. Um, and when Keith started the damn things, I was like, Oh shit. Like if, what if like every time I die takes the back burner, and all this other stuff comes forward, which that isn't putting these dudes down. They're like the greatest dads in the world. And like every time I die is definitely secondary to their children. But I just was like, Oh fuck, if this slows down, I got to get something else. I got to like perform in some other way. And it was like, at first I was like, Oh fuck, I don't want to start another band and like have to go (laughs) through that process. And you know, like, like that. So I was like, ah, and I think at the time, too, like, I kind of gave up on my body. Like, I just was, like, my knees were killing me. My ankles were killing me. My shoulders were hurt. And I was just, like, I stopped working out for, like, two years. And I got, like, fat. There's pictures all over the internet. Of, like, <laughs> Isn't that the worst? <laughs> yeah. And uh, and I was, like, oh, fuck this, man. And, like, one day I just, like, woke up and I was, like, fuck that, man. I'm, I'm going to get my body in shape. I'm going to do this wrestling thing and fuck it. You know? And, uh. And that's just what it's been. And it originally started, like, I remember having the conversation with Josh Barnett, because that's who I originally started training with, was was Josh Barnett. And I was like, I just want to do one match. I just want to do one match, just bucket list it, throw it to the side, and that's it. You know, I did it. That was my, like, life dream. If I wasn't in Every Time I Die, I would have became a pro wrestler. You know what I mean? Right. And he's like, oh, you're going to do more than one match. And I was like, (laughs) fuck you. I'm not going to do more than one match. And then here we are. You know what I mean? I'm... I'm like a handful of matches in now and and yeah. I was going to say you uh, kind of already hit on a few of the questions I had which was actually did you ever get into wrestling in high school which obviously it sounds like you did. Um, yeah. I mean we were doing like a thing I dude I was doing I if anyone follows me on Instagram every once in a while I'll post like pictures of me backyarding. Yeah. And I mean dude that was like that was like 5 that was like I would say like three, four, maybe yeah, I would say like about three or four years before backyard wrestling was even like a thing. A thing yeah. And I remember like I remember getting an issue with like the PWI five hundred when I was like sixteen, and like Quackenbush was doing like a moonsault <laughs> off a picnic table, and I was like, whoa, like you know what I mean? Like this is insane. I can do this right here. I can do this in my backyard. And we were like backyarding when, and that's probably where I tore my ACL. Like right. probably backyarding, but like whatever. Um, yeah, and that was like that was it. Like it was just yeah, like wrestling, like pro wrestling has been an obsession since I was a child. It's kind of weird. Um, I was thinking about 
and I've kind of talked about this on other podcasts I've done with other people, uh, like John James Ryan Jr., him and I started the first like 20, 30 minutes was us talking wrestling because uh, yeah. the page tape had leaked earlier that day. Um, yeah. So Yeah, we talked about that at that. We at were that talking spell. about And then when I had talked to uh, Frank Fanella, he was like, oh, we informed him through our wrestling chat that we, we all have. So he didn't even know. He woke up to the news from all of us like, did you see this shit? Um, yeah. But what was funny, though, is uh, – Actually, speaking of Frank, he was on a tour with, I think, the Chimera Browning tour, and I had just slowly started getting back into wrestling around then, but upon, like, being the nice dude I am and letting, like, bands crash in my house if I can, usually, like, I'll be like, oh, there's TV, watch whatever you want, and a handful of people would always be like, oh, fuck, it's Monday, like, let's watch Raw, or hey, it's, you know, Thursday at the time, SmackDown's on, and I realized how many band dudes love wrestling, like, unapologetically. And I was yeah. like, slowly getting back into it. And then finally, like, I was, like, all in. And it's been really interesting to kind of see the shift of almost – it's not quite to the level of, like, the Attitude Era. But it's interesting to see that wrestling has kind of become an, a household name again, like it kind of was when I was growing up, like, out in Delaware and stuff like that. Like, and, you know, the ter- you had more territories even though, like, the AWA yeah. and all that kind of stuff was going away. But – it's interesting to see that wrestling's kind of making a comeback. And to me, I feel like you're kind of at one of the you and a handful of other musician people are like kind of at the forefront, I think, of like having always waved the flag unapologetically of like, I fucking love wrestling. I've always loved wrestling. And if you yeah. don't understand why, like I'll sit down and tell you why it's fucking cool. And yeah. well the, the thing is like if you if you think about it, I think I think exactly what you're saying is it's almost kind of like the punk boom. Like it was like wrestling in the Attitude Era was like what yes, and and like all those like bands like Sex Pistols and that what they talk about why they started doing punk rock was because wrestling got so just formatic mm-hmm. and just bullshit. It was arena rock. That's right. What, that's what wrestling was. And then now you have this shift of dudes. Uh, I mean, dude, like Eric Cannon. Like you take a dude like Eric Cannon. That dude's been around forever. And, like, that motherfucker is, like, what indie wrestling is. Like, he's proud to be an indie wrestler. Right. And, like, once you go to a kick-ass show, like an indie show, whether it be, like, PWG, Smash, AAW, AIW, um, uh, there's, like, bar wrestling now in uh, in L.A. There's fucking wrestle circus, like, beyond uh, Evolve. You, like, go to these shows and, like, coming from punk rock, you feel that again. Like when you right. go to those, like I think that's the WWE is sick. Regardless, it's it's, it's, a, it's like huge, uh, like Nickelback of wrestling, kind of like overblown and I lots of production. Even go Nickelback I just meant more the, the stage production and all that. They're starting to pay attention, so like it's almost. I, I mean, I don't know how to equate it music wise. <laughs> I wouldn't give them like the Queens of Stone Age like vibe or whatever like yeah. that, but like they're at least paying attention to what's happening. In the smaller thing, where like NXT is like your version of like their version of like indie wrestling, but like under the WWE banner, so like they have to wrestle a certain way, right? But they're getting people, you know, they're getting people like Heidi Lovelace and and all these people who have like been around the indies forever. Chris Hero's back with them, like yep. Roderick Strong, like all these dudes, and like Tommy End. You know what I mean? They're all those people are all still paying attention to what's happening on the indies because the indies is popping so hard and the indies are literally what the Ramones and the sex pistols were. You know what right. I mean? Like yeah. right now. And that's why it's getting so popular. Well, it's kind of interesting to see it like with Cody, uh, like when he left after the whole stardust bullshit and then was, although I feel like he's oversaturated cause he went from like doing tiny, like hall shows and shit like that. to now all of a sudden, like he's in new Japan, he's in ring of honor. Yeah. He's everywhere. Well, the thing is, so now you got to remember though, <laughs> He's, he, I mean, that dude was spoon-fed with a sp- silver spoon from the time yeah. he started. Where, like, I can't imagine him being in, like, a locker room in a suit and tie while, like, dudes are walking in and they're, like, sweatshirt pants. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> he probably got pretty well at ROH and, and yeah. New Japan, which is great. I mean, he's still doing cool shit, you know? Yeah. He just wrestled Okada, which is amazing. Yeah. Actually, it was kind of funny because uh, not really following 
ROH in New Japan, even though they're kind of married, even though it looks like New Japan's trying to strike their own territory out in LA with some of these, the G1 shows that they just did, uh, yeah. to where they don't need ROH anymore. Um, but what was interesting is like, I know you have an NWO tattoo. Do you feel the Bullet Club has reached NWO status as far as just how outrageously? Not yet. I, I mean, not yet. until you, until you turn on Monday night and you see Bullet Club on Monday night, that's that's when they take over. And I mean, you've seen you see sections, parts of it. Like yeah. obviously, you have like Anderson and Gallows there, and you have Finn and 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 AJ. But like, they're not directly wearing. Yeah, but they're not directly wearing no Bullet Club stuff. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. when 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 you hear an, a WWE announcer say like, "Here they are, the Bullet Club is here," like, you're like, that's where they've hit the pinnacle. You yeah. Know? I'm waiting for it. But if you think about it, how about, I mean, if you think about it, though, man, like, they don't need it. Like, those dudes have made a career out of being indie guys. They're shit. You can go to a mall and buy a Bullet Club shirt now. That's insane. Yeah. You know? Like, they're starting to reach outside the market, which is, it was just crazy. That's great. I was going to say, it's just been interesting to see, uh, because I remember, like, when NWO was sweet, when it, no pun intended, when it was sweet, and it was, like, a, you know, the original, like, four or so. Uh, and then it was, like, the, red hot, dude. Yeah, and then it's, like, you know, you get, like, the Latino world order and all of this, and it's, like, man, you guys jumped the shark real bad. Yeah, yeah. Um, I love the Latino world order, though. Like, yes. going back and watching that stuff is amazing. Like, the fact that El Dandy was part of a, a faction is great. <laughs> We did this. I, th- I think, like me and my best friend Wes, the guy that I do the Python, Python stuff. Yep. With, every once in a while, we'll throw each other like something you think would be an insane. He's been around. He's been on the ride with me the whole time. He's been my best friend since I was a kid. So um, every once in a while, we'll be sitting there, we're watching something, and then he'll be like, "Yo, name every member of LWO." And like, there was <laughs> one time where I named every member except for one, and the one that I didn't mention was Rey Mysterio. Like I was like the most. I was like, this, this is too obvious. Like, you can't be an LWO, right? Yeah. Um. So, kind of looking around. Um, you had already talked about your training. Uh, something I always kind of wondered actually, because I know, and going through a lot of my guitar magazines, I've, it's kind of funny to see who's been sponsored by what and be like, oh, I remember when that was your go-to brand, and now it's not. Yeah. Um. I always wondered, like, because I know now you're playing the ESPs, have you switched over because the Gibsons and stuff like that were just so heavy on your shoulder and causing some of the issues, or was that just kind of a... No, not no? at all. Like, okay. I, right, I have, like, three Les Paul Customs right there, but, sure. like, I... Okay, this is a crazy thing, like, <laughs> um, Metal Blade basically, like, contracted me last year to, like, sign a few bands for them, okay. and I was like, alright, well, if I'm doing this for you, like, please get me a walkthrough at Metallica headquarters. Metallica is my favorite band. So right. uh, Brian Slagle, basically Brian Slagle, the owner of metal Blade. Blade, basically started Metallica, which is like crazy. Like not a lot of people know that like Lars used to come into metal Blade records when it was a store. And he was like, yeah, I think I'm going to start a band. And like, Brian was like, Oh, I know this dude named James. You should like meet like literally like Married he was the guy that like married those two together. Right. Um, so yeah, he like took me to to metal. I got to go to like Metallica headquarters, and like they gave me like a like a whole tour and stuff like that. There was like a few times where like I was like tearing up and shit. Like I'd see shit. Like I got to play Eat Fuck, which I probably shouldn't say because if James Hetfield somehow hears this or sees this, which you never know, he's gonna be like, "What the fuck, man? Why are you playing my fucking guitar?" Anyways, <laughs> um, as soon as I left the only guitar I saw there were ESPs. And like, I was like, all right, fuck it. I called Jordan. I was like, I need your ESP hookup. I'm doing ESP. And like, that was it. And then now it's just like, they're so cool. Like Tony at ESP is like the sickest dude. Like anytime I have like a question about things, it was like, okay. And then obviously like Hammett uses M1. So I was like, I got to use an M1. So now I have three M1s that I use (laughs) live, whatever. So that was it. It's just because of my like love for Metallica. That's it. You know, I had almost thought that, but then as you were talking about your your shoulders kind of being fucked up a little bit, I was like, you know, I know get like my dad is a Gibson person, so and I'm an yeah. ESP guy, so I know some of their guitars are comparable weight wise, but typically they're a yeah. lot less heavier. So I had wondered yeah. if playing the Gibson well, for so just, long. 
my shoulder issues was just me being a pussy. Like as soon as I like, as soon as I like, I did a little physical therapy on them. Like they've been fine ever since. So like, it was just me. I think just I was like, oh, I'm getting old. I was like 35. <laughs> now I'm 40. I'm wrestling. So well, I was gonna say thanks for the things I have to look forward to as I, I get older in the next yeah. few years. Um, yeah. But no, with the training though, I was gonna say, have you noticed since you kind of have been training for the wrestling and all that kind of stuff? Have you noticed that it? impacts your live show at all like you have better stamina able to do that for sure stamina stamina for sure that that like is is for sure if anything our live show hinders my wrestling like because (laughs) it like hurts more man like and that sounds crazy to me like bumping and stuff like that doesn't hurt like it and and that's like the wild thing man when i like talk to wrestlers sometimes like but then again, I've only been bumping regularly for the last three years, four years, where, like, you talk to, like, someone who's been wrestling for, like, 12 years, like, obviously that's going to be fucked up. But I've been stomping around on fucking stage. You know, it'd be, sometimes it's a concrete stage. Sometimes it's a wooden stage. Sometimes it's, like, that weird, like, plastic fucking weird stage, like, warp Tour or something like that. Right. So there's a little give in it. Like, you know, I'm headbanging nonstop. My neck fucking hurts constantly from that. You know what I mean? Like, it's one of those things. I've had a headache all day that's, like, ran through my fucking neck. And it's from fucking headbanging. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. I, if anything, it's the other way around. Where, like, any, I guess, like, the other side, though, is, like, wrestling's helped me be more of, like, a showman. Where, like, you kind of, like, learn... Uh, in wrestling, you kind of learn to be patient and take your time. And like on stage, like there's dudes like fucking Ben Wyman and Jordan Buckley who like can go crazy from the first note to like the last note. Mm -hmm. But then it's like, okay, on the other side, like I got to play the guitar because he's like in the crowd. (laughs) So like it's, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's, which is fine. I'm totally fine with that. So like at those times, it's like, okay, if I'm, if I'm sitting here concentrating on the riff, I have to like, at least make the crowd know that like, I'm still there. You know what I mean? Right. Really good at that too. You know what I mean? Like, so I think me and Steve have a pretty good thing where we like, we know when to go nuts, when not to go nuts because we know Jordan's doing it the whole time. Right. You know, which is great. And I, I think wrestling's kind of helped me like with that where it's like, be patient. Oh, the crowd's up. Okay, cool. Like, go to the front of the stage instead of, like, being in the back and, like, shit like that. I actually think something I just kind of thought of. Um, I know a lot of times, having seen the band for over a decade now, Yeah. Um, a lot of times you guys don't have a set list. Like, in the traditional sense, like, here's your set list. It's on the stage. You follow it to a T. You kind of do a lot of audibles and just play whatever. Do yeah. You, do you feel that that actually kind of helped you going into wrestling like being able to to call a match on the fly and not be so worried about it because you kind of do that in your your day job quote unquote i okay it's really weird that you say that because like not with a set list but more like writing a song that's like a lot like that um the set list thing is just like for it's just for us to not go bored you know what i mean (laughs) like then like you know you you've probably seen it if you've seen bands like in the last like 10 years and you've seen them like multiple times on a tour it's the same set list right it's so and it yep. like i don't know how bands can fucking do that you know what i mean so for us it's always like we're always conscious of like okay we played um uh, like lansing you know what i mean like last time we played lansing we started with this song we ended with this song so like let's figure it out you know we got to do something different you know? and we're always conscious of that shit um, with it calling a match, like when I get a dude that like knows music and I can call a match kind of like a song, it's awesome where it's like, Hey, we need a bridge. We need a, you know, we need a, a, a chorus. We need this, you know, we're going to take it home with an outro. Like we need an intro, you know, and like calling a match is really like writing a song. If there's just different, you know, they have different calls for things, you know what right. I mean? Yeah. Um, and usually like, that's the thing, like, like we're wrestling, like me and Blackwood, started pretty much the same time like he trains at grapplers anonymous where i train and um yeah so like 
we're at training and we're like, oh, this would be cool. This would be cool. This would be cool. There's like no chance that the halal beefcake dudes are doing that. They're just like going to go in. <laughs> and it's because they do this all the time. You know what I mean? Um, right. And, you know, I'm for me, like Blackwood wrestles way more than I do, you know? So like he's just like, yeah, that would be cool. That would be cool. That would be cool. And I'm just stressing like, oh, this will be rad. Like we got to do this, you know? And I'm just so excited about like doing things. And then once we get there, Paul Beefcake's going to like be like, all right, let's call this match, blah, blah, blah. Kayfabe, kayfabe, I know. I'm sorry, I shouldn't be talking about this stuff. I hate those dudes. I'm going to punch them in the face. <laughs> I think you do a good job of selling all of that. Because uh, like when one of the last matches you had and someone snuck into your show, I was like, yeah. Jesus Christ, if people think like it's just that easy just to walk back there and that A, there would yeah. be that many fucking people back there just hanging yeah. out. I was like, yeah. So, I mean, yeah. Me and Kevin... Good. Yesterday, or was it yes? Two days ago, me and Kevin like made this like crazy like rebuttal to what Hall Beefcake said, mm-hmm. and we handed it to the smash. You know, we sent it to the smash dudes yesterday, and the dudes like computer crashed. So like, it might be up <laughs> right now, but there's there might be a uh, there might be right now if you go to like Twitter, which no one's watching this live, or no. if they are, I don't know. No, they're not. Yeah. But there's a cool video that's going to be out before this match. If you'd like to watch it, look for it. Uh, where me and Kevin kind of rebuttal. Hello, I'll uh, post it with this because I'm going to edit. Pretty much just going to throw this up as is and just fucking yeah. throw it up. Um, so yeah, I'll throw that up with that. Um, I'm going to kind of try to quickly get through this so I can let you get back to your, your day. Um, we had kind of talked with the Cody Rhodes thing earlier. When With you doing the indie wrestling, have you noticed that you've gotten more respect right away from some of the wrestlers because of the 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 tenure you've put into every time i die and the fact that you're you're still putting you know doing van tours and stuff like that and kind of paying your dues um and that by doing indies and not maybe going a different route of like a dennis robin doing straight to like wcw or getting hot shotted that you know you're you're doing you know shows and halls and stuff like that and paying your dues like that you're finding that people are more accepting of you right away or is there like some people who are just fucking assholes and just that's who they um, are <laughs> sometimes i mean i remember like the first show i was on there was a dude that was like a dickhead and it was kind of a bummer because i was kind of a fan you know what i mean right um and then we just kind of like uh we kind of um mend the fence by like both liking metal so like we started talking about metal and then like realize that and like we're friends now um, but like, I mean, talk about like, just talking about smash in general, mm-hmm. like I've never, even some tours, man, like you go into tours and like, there's bands that don't talk to you for like the first two weeks. You don't know anything about them. You know what I mean? Like, it's weird. and you're there every single day and you're for, I mean, you're there every day. We're like smash. Like I remember like the first time I got in there, like everybody was like respectful and awesome and like it hasn't stopped since. And I think the, I think like the major, major thing is that like, I, I don't want people to be like, Hey, this is, this is a band guy doing this. I want people to be like, Oh, that dude's a wrestler. You know what I mean? So like I try to do it that way instead of it being something where, um, like you said, like getting hot shot and like only doing spots. Right. You know what I mean? Like I want to do like, full matches i want to like i want people to go oh shit like i didn't expect that guy to do that or like expect that guy to know that or you know what i mean oh i know that like when i did like the joey janela like spring break like i made like my one big thing in life is just don't don't read reviews like with every time i die because the thing is well you know like in life man like especially with like like i have friends who wrestle in the wbe that literally read every comment and, like, they're getting fucking 400 comments on, like, shit. And then they're, like, dwelling on the three people who say negative things. Right. And it's like, oh, my God, this guy said this, man. Can you fucking believe that? And it's like, why are you worrying about that, dude? Like, you have thousands of other people who don't even see that. You know what I mean? But you're dwelling on – you're going to let three people ruin your fucking day, like, because of that. Even, dude, big bands. There's big bands that are like, oh, man – we got three bad reviews and it's like, yeah, but you have like a hundred other good reviews. So like, fuck it. Right. Do you know what I mean? And I learned that lesson like a long time ago to just like not read reviews. And like, 
at that Joey Janela thing, like I made the mistake of like going and like reading what like some wrestling websites said about the match and stuff like that. And it was like, the, like the first thing is always like, just so everybody knows this guy is not a wrestler. He's in a band, you know? And it's like, well, fuck you, man. Like all the training I've done and all I've like tried to like get going in this, like I didn't want to have a match until I was like fully trained. You know what I mean? Like right. I could have right. fucking got a match right away. As soon as I said, Hey, I'm training to be a wrestler. I started getting fucking, I started getting calls. Right. And I, I said, fuck that, man. I don't want to do that. I want to I want to go through the process, you know? And, like, it's just whatever. You're always going to get pigeonholed, and that's fine. You know what I mean? And, I, like, I don't care. Um, Actually, I, I had wondered, because I know at the Detroit date of the Warp Tour last year when you guys were on it, um, that, like, John and all them were surprised that there was wrestling because apparently it wasn't on every date of the tour. Um, yeah. I know... I know because someone either you had walked by or someone had said that you were wrestling in Chicago the next day. Did you do a lot of the warped wrestling or only select dates when you knew like a certain person was going to be there? Well, like AIW, AIW did uh, did Cleveland, okay, and I wrestled that day. And then Detroit was the next day, and I knew they had wrestling there. But every single time I went by, there was no wrestling. There. <laughs> yeah, it was. And sporadic. I don't know, like that's. That's not me shit talking. That day was fucking hot. So I'm glad that they were like, hey, don't. They didn't hit me up. Like, so <laughs> it, was, it was fucking awful that day. And that's yeah. not attesting. That's not saying that they're like a shitty thing. But every time I went by, there's no wrestling going on, um, which might have been just when they were doing their uh, intermissions. Yeah. Because usually like at those days, they'll run like five shows in one day. So there's like intermissions. And, yeah. Um, and then uh, Freelance ran in Chicago. Um, and they asked me to wrestle and that was like, like that was some scary shit because they were like, Hey, wrestle, you're wrestling at like 1230. I said, okay, my band's playing at two 30. That gives me enough time. So like, they're like, you're wrestling at 1230. And then like I show up at 1230, they're like, all right, you're wrestling at one. And I'm like, okay. And they're like, you're wrestling at one 30. Okay. You're wrestling at two. I promise two o'clock. And I remember it was, I wrestled Matt Nix, like the guy who like runs freelance. Mm-hmm. And like, I think he gave me, I think he gave us like 12 minutes in the match. And there was like a point where like, I mean, I went in, I think I got in the, in the, the ring and like shit started like five minutes in. So I knew it was like, two five two ten somewhere <laughs> around there and i just at one point in time i think he like ddt'd me i like kind of no sold it got up hit him with a fucking falcon arrow and just like grabbed him and was like sorry dude i gotta get out of here like just kind of like called it a wrap so i think we did like eight minutes or something like that or seven minutes or something like that and i chopped the shit out of him that was like one of the times where like i chopped him and my ear rang and then um that sick fuck goes do it again and i chopped him again and my fucking ear rang again that was great that's that freelance is fucking sick that's another one that i have to attest to like that's that's what punk rock is man like that's why wrestling is what it is because you have dudes like matt nicks and you have freelance i mean he's a piece of shit because i'm supposed to have beef with him still so like he's still a piece of shit but freelance is a sick sick fed Speaking of chops, it was funny when I posted that video in the Eats It Facebook group. Someone goes, what an asshole. You know sold his chop. And I was like, I was against a fucking wall. Like, what do you want me to do? They're like, I can't believe you no sold it. And I was like, okay. You took the Japanese route. That was fine. Uh, speaking of, because uh, you when we were discussing that, and for those who don't know, I took a chop from Andy at the Lansing show, because fuck it, why not? Like, when I was yeah. standing next to Ric Flair, I, I almost went in Atlanta outside of a Falcons game. I almost wanted to be like, Flair, fuck. I know you can't. Can you give me a chop? Just because, fuck it, why not? I'll never get to yeah. find out what that's like. So I hit you up instead. Um, yeah, me and Ric Flair, same. same. <laughs> hey, in the I mean, same category. To me, you are. Uh <laughs> Um, with that being said, though, like you were kind of going over the various chops and stuff like that. And something when thinking about talking with you today that I was wondering, being the being into a lot of different wrestling, uh, not programs, a lot of wrestling uh, federations and stuff like that and wrestlers and styles is what I was looking for. How hard was it to kind of figure out what kind of style you wanted to go for with there being like, you know, strong style over in Japan and, you know, a lot of like the chain wrestling and stuff like that? Like, how did you how did you put together your style of wrestling? Um, Dude, I, I've been obsessed with Japanese wrestling since 
I can remember. I remember like that old NWA run when I first started watching wrestling, like Muda was the thing there. And like that has been like Muda was like if 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 Steiner was like my first guy and Ric Flair was like the pinnacle like Muda was like the guy that got me so into re- like he was like I, dude he was doing moonsaults and fucking handsprings and shit like that and I realized that like once I started paying attention to like all Japan and big Japan when I was a kid and then like the early portions of what became new Japan um I knew that that was what I wanted to do like if I ever became a wrestler it was gonna be like Brody you know what I mean like right. I'm gonna get in there and like you know with concussions being kind of like a touchy subject nowadays yeah um I knew that I wanted to get I want contact you know what I mean like obviously I don't want to get my ass kicked but like I want a stronger style where like I'm taking forms and chops and and stuff like that so like you know again another dude was like Barry Windham man like Barry Windham like that dude had a very Japanese style for wrestling in NWA and then once he went to Japan he kind of like realized the shit he could do I mean he was throwing fucking lariats and like you know what I mean like yeah so that that's kind of like it I guess that like West Texas like West Texas Japanese style <laughs> it's like what I knew I wanted to do if I could be a cowboy I fucking would but I'm from North Tonawana, New York, man. That didn't stop you on, on uh, what was it, the Chimera run and the, oh, yeah. the Warped Tour run from a while, yeah. like two years ago or three years ago or whatever? That was because Blackjack died, though. Uh, yeah. Um, last couple questions. Um, yeah. Entrance music being a huge thing in wrestling because it, it kind of kind of creates the pop before you come out. Um, typically, anything I've seen of you, I don't really get to see the entrance. Um, yeah. So what in a perfect world, what is your entrance music and would you ever, are you going to compose your own eventually? And if so, what is that going to sound like? Um, yeah, I mean, I've thought about that. Like I thought about like making my own and I I have this like gimmick that I want to do in my head called Warhorse Williams, where (laughs) I'm just an old, I mean, I'm 40, so I am old, but like be just that old haggard, (laughs) you know, big west texas wrestler not with a cowboy hat or anything like that but just like just grizzled you just imagine I mean? jbl like a, a haggard jbl dude, you have no idea <laughs> I, these four fucking dudes that i trained with the one day there was just a few of us and i was like i'm gonna start working on clothesline from hell and i i watched like there's a 20 minute clip or it's it's uh, sorry it's 11 minute clip of all of jbl's clotheslines from hells like in one <sighs> And I, like, looked at how he did it from each way, like, how he would set that up. Mm-hmm. And then I was just going over it in the ring, just fucking blasting dudes with, <laughs> with Larry. So, um, yeah, that's, I mean, essentially not the rich guy, but, like, basically, like, what he was when he was coming. Like, right before him in, uh, like, Acolyte, Acolyte style, like, yeah. JBL, like, right. that era you know, just big, scary, he's going to knock your fucking head off, like, type of guy. And that was, like, in my head, like, once people start accepting me as not the guitar player of Every Time I Die and actually accepting me as, like, hey, this guy wrestles, I'm going to start doing the Warhorse gimmick. And, and like, I want the music to just be, like, one scream of Warhorse and then just, like, a <laughs> fucking super evil riff, like, something that sounds like Black Sabbath. Um, right now in Smash, like, I'm doing a... I, I come out to um, Into the Void by Black Sabbath, but it's done by X Hoarder. Okay. So it's just a sicker version. <laughs> um, and then anywhere else I wrestle, I try to do Systems Overload by Integrity. Okay. Um, yeah. Coming from the, the Every Time I Die Facebook group, I, I kind of reached out and was like, you know, because a lot of people post all of the, the various things that every member does um, and a lot of wrestling love. Like we live, there's a live feed going on of us uh tweeting or facebooking whatever the fuck you want to call it but live tweeting uh wrestlemania this past year which is pretty fun oh, um sweet. so uh this person joel hansen actually asked a really good like three-part question yeah and said uh i gotta actually pull out my paper um which do you feel is more important in wrestling storytelling or wrestling ability <sighs> um 
I don't know. Like, you got to think, like, a guy like Dean Malenko, man. Like, I could watch Dean Malenko work, like, all day. Yeah. There's no story. It's nope. just he's going to put you in a million holds, and he's a he's one of the most technical wrestlers. But then at the same time, you you show me a Buddy Landell match, and I'm fucking <laughs> – like, my eyes are open, and that dude's just all storytelling. He was one of the best heels of all time, you know. Um, same thing with Dusty Rhodes, man. Like, that – Dusty Rhodes, like – entertain the fuck out of you man like tell a story talk about stories man like when when four horsemen broke his ankle yeah you know what i mean that was like that put so much heat on those dudes and that gave those dudes a fucking career man like that essential moment was like the that was like the like the the linchpin that like set that that whole fucking fed off Right, and that's because they all wanted to kill those dudes, man. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So there's a little bit of both, man. Like you know, like there, and then there, like nowadays, there's dudes that do both, man. You you want to show me Timothy Thatcher? Like you want to talk about facial expressions? Like it was awesome. I remember asking him how his match was once. I was like, "Oh, how was your match earlier?" And he goes, "Oh, you know, dudes punched me. I made weird faces. Like that's <laughs> all he said. Like it was just like." I got beat up. I made weird faces. You know what I mean? And yeah. like, you know, but then he probably fucking twisted a dude up. You know what I mean? At some, you know, at some point, like, you know, I, I think it's, it all depends on the context of the match too. Right. You know, there wasn't much storytelling in Okada versus Omega. You know what I mean? It was just a guy trying to take the belt from, from a dude, you know, they set it up. Obviously there was like storytelling before, but like during that match, it was just a a dude that wasn't gonna like buckle to this the heavyweight champ, right? And then it just so happened that the heavyweight champ beat him. You know what I mean? Yeah, I was gonna say because I was kind of thinking about uh when when I saw that question, my immediate thought was uh Bailey versus uh Banks at NXT Takeover Brooklyn from like a couple oh. years ago, and then when they redid it awesome. and they had like little calls to different spots from the match before, like the yeah. first match, and I was like, oh fuck, this is so good. Like if you watched, oh, are you talking about? What was that? The Iron Woman, the Iron Woman match? Uh, I think it. Yeah, I think it was the Iron Woman match because then there was. Like, I was at that. Where you really? insane. Oh man. Yeah. I that was like one of the first matches I showed my wife of NXT because usually when we would watch pay per views, she would be like, oh, I don't know much about NXT, and then when some of these people come up and I already know like, like the how you doings and all that kind of shit, and she's like, How do you know this? Yeah. Like, NXT, like duh. Yeah, uh, yeah. So that was actually the Bailey Bailey Banks. The first one was the first match I had showed her that she actually sat down and watched from NXT. Uh, and so now like, like a lot of the people are up on the main roster. She, when we go to shows, she, uh, is like, Oh, I like this person. I like Alexa bliss. I think she's great. She fucking has like that yeah. shitty attitude. And I think it's, it's, she's probably not anything like that, but she's so believable. And I love it. I was like, yeah. oh, there you go. So, but yeah, but that's the thing that, that, that it all depends on like how it is. I've watched matches where they try to like tell this fucking story and it just like goes over your head. Yeah. And it's like the worst thing in the world. But then there's like stories where I'm trying to think of one like offhand where like the buildup is insane. Like where, dude, take any fucking Stone Cold versus Vince McMahon for yeah. like seven years. And that's like some of the most entertaining wrestling that ever was. And he's not, it's not like Stone Cold's going against Bret Hart. No. Stone Cold's going against a 60 year old man who works out and kind of. <laughs> kind of knows a thing or two about the physical parts of wrestling. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like Vince McMahon's like one of the most uncoordinated human beings on earth. Looks like he walks and Stone he Cold, his pants. Yeah. And Stone Cold pulled fucking lightning out of that dude. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. that's awesome. But then you tell me you can't watch fucking, you go back and watch Benoit and fucking Jericho from any WCW match. And you're like, yeah. holy shit. You know, there's no storytelling. They're just wrestling. Yeah. Um, the other part of that, uh, Joel Hansen's question was, uh, your favorite intercontinental champion of all time, Fuck but he didn't man. specify which company, but I mean, it's pretty much going to be a given as w- of course, w- yeah, yeah. WWE. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of hard to not say macho man, like macho man was the greatest. I don't, I wouldn't consider macho man. He wasn't only, he was only in the heavyweight picture for like two years yeah where like he was an intercontinental champion like a few times yeah um yeah like him owen was great yep um but i yeah probably macho man macho man's yeah it's fucking macho man (laughs) yeah i was gonna say i think for mine i was like when i was thinking of it 
I think it was thinking like Sean, like early nineties run when Sean Michaels had it for a while. And then before he like kind of ascended yeah. to the, the, the title, like the heavyweight, you know, title picture. But it's kind of interesting because they're trying to make that belt relevant again. And I feel like the only person that's actually yeah. done it any justice was actually the Miz. I mean, he's, his wrestling ability is kind of yeah. eh, but his, his heel work is just so fucking Dude, good right now. He's and he's getting awesome, shit on man. so much right now. Like you go to live shows I used and everyone to fucking hate- hates him. Yeah. Well, that's great, though. He's doing his job. Yeah. I fucking hate, like, I hated him for years. And, dude, he is, he's phenomenal, man. Like, he is really fucking good, man. Like, and that's, like, what he knows, he knows his bread and butter yes. when it comes to, like, wrestling. But, fuck, dude, like, he knows how to fucking sell. Remember, there was, um, it was, it was Sammy. It was Sammy. And Cesaro yep. were in the Miz in a four way at oh, fuck Extreme Rules last year. Yeah, I think that sounds about or right. Like that. It was like a ladder match, and wasn't it, or something? There were, or no, 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 it wasn't no, no, a ladder no. match. Yeah, you're right. Sorry, it wasn't a ladder match. Yeah, this is a normal match, dude. That match is fucking amazing because the Miz is the glue that holds it all together. Like he took every bump in that fucking whole match, and yeah. he still pulled it out. Like that match is like. If I was him, that was the, that would be the match I would show my children. Like, oh yeah, this is what I did. It's perfect, man. And it was all because of him. These will be the last two definitively. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I keep saying that. I'm like a bad cocktail. I'm like, right. oh, it's going to be the end. It's going to be the end. Um, it's okay. I know you kind of answered. I saw a... And I don't with the Facebook group, people keep sharing things, and I don't know if these are new interviews or not. But I had seen something with uh, an interview had done you and Keith with somebody else, and the question was like, "Oh, if you could have anyone wrestling a wrestler with you guys to like bring you out or whatever, dead or alive, who would it be?" Um, and you were like, "Well, it's it's if it's it's always got to be Bruiser Brody," and then you're like, "Actually, it's got to be Macho Man." Um, so the question, yeah. I'll flip that a little bit and be like, "If you could wrestle anyone living or alive, who would it be?" If I could wrestle anyone dead or alive, yep. Well, it'd be Brody. Okay. Well, I mean, Obviously. I figured I figured that's who it would be, but I was like, maybe who? This is how it would be. This is exactly <laughs> what it would be. It would be versus Bruiser Brody. It would be in Puerto Rico, and I would take the fucking stab for him. <laughs> Just so he could live on. Fair enough. I said that in an interview that I fucking, I don't, it was with a girl. I did some interview with this chick, and she goes, oh, what are your, like, wrestling aspirations? Like, what are you trying to, like, get out That's, of wrestling? That was, was like, that was my last question. <laughs> and I was, I was like, yeah, it's it's easy. Work in Puerto Rico and get stabbed in a bathroom. And she just looked at me like she had no idea what she, I was talking about. She had no idea who Bruiser Brody was. And she just looks at me like, holy okay. fuck. Like, that was a very morbid. There was another interview, too. It's online somewhere. I can't remember what the fucking girl's name is. But it was like. It was on this fucking hellish winter European tour, and this poor girl in in London, she uh, or England, she ha- couldn't have been twenty years old. She was there with her dad. I think her dad was like holding the camera, and she's asking me all these questions. And we probably got in an argument or something like that day, and she didn't know. And I had to like walk out and do this fucking interview. And this poor girl is like asking me all these questions, and like she's like, she said something. She's like, um. Oh, fuck man this is gonna kill me she goes like she goes oh have you ever had any goals in life and i was like well i've always wanted to eat a person and like that was it like i just i've always been kind of obsessed with cannibalism and the girl's like her face just goes like this and then she like looks at her dad and goes back she's like well you know that's that's really all i had do you have any like last comments and i was like yeah i don't care as long as i can fucking eat someone i don't care all right see you guys <laughs> and she just like Standing there with like a, a, you know, the microphone, like, oh fuck, man, this just got real weird. God, Wrestling reminds- aspirations, though, like the, a real answer. Obviously, I don't want to get stabbed to death. Um, <laughs> wrestling in Puerto Rico would be sweet, though. Um, I, really, all it is is just, I just, I'm having so much fun, man. That, that's, that's all it is. I, 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 I don't even care. I, I've already made it. You know what I mean? <laughs> By wrestling one match, I've hit my aspirations, my wrestling aspirations. So like. As long as this lasts me, I'm having a fun time with the trip, and I want to wrestle wherever I can, and I want to wrestle whoever I can, and, and and that's it. That that's really it. Your cannibalism joke just reminded me of one of my favorite like high school movies, uh, Ravenous. 
Oh, dude, it's amazing. He's licking no, me. Yes, yes. Yeah. And the weird fucking music that, like, that soundtrack is so. Yo, that's wonky. we used to use that as an. Every time I die, I used to use that as an intro. I don't think I ever saw you guys when yeah. you guys use that. Holy shit, that's. Well, yeah. I love it even more because that's one of my favorites. Yeah. I still have a VHS that I recorded off of HBO because I can't. I could never find yeah. it anywhere. It's Dude, such it's a fucking fuck movie. Awesome. <laughs> I've bought that on DVD like three times. Really? It's every now, time I talk I'm about it, everyone's it. like. What is it? I'm like, it's the probably like the weirdest movie. Like, I was like, what's his dude, face? Dude, there's from? so many people. I was like, the dude from Scream, I can't remember his name. Like, fucking David Arquette when he's dying and he's laughing and like yeah. bleeding out onto this roof. I'm like, yeah. It, like, you show that scene, people like, why is he laughing? I'm like, I don't know. Why is dude, anyone laughing Guy, at the wrong points? <laughs> Guy Pierce. Yep. You have Guy Pierce, uh, Jeffrey Jones yep. from Ferris Bueller's Day Off and Mom, Mom and Dad Save the Universe. Yep. Uh, Robert you have, um, yeah, Robert Carlyle. You have David Carradine, or not David? What the fuck am I talking about? <laughs> David, uh, David Arquette. <laughs> I wish David Carradine was in the back, just jerking his dick off. Um, and then um, the dude who's he's licking. He's like, yeah, I don't remember who. I don't remember that dude's name, but yeah, he's better than. He's in like everything. Yeah. But God, yeah. what a great fucking movie, man. Oh, yeah. yeah, and then fucking the fucking crazy blonde-haired dude. Yeah, Neil, yeah. Uh, He's in the fucking water, the freezing water. Yeah. Neil something is. I don't is. remember his name, but he's like a character actor. You've seen a bunch of shit. Steely, steely blue eyes. Yeah. That guy. Um, yeah. But yeah, so you kind of answered that. And then have you seen Glow? I just finished it. I have, not wa- I have not watched Glow yet. I'm waiting for like all my like shit to take. Like, at, like Monday, I'll probably... Binge watch it. Start watching it. Yeah. Oh, it's it's, it's kind of slow moving, but it's pretty good, especially if you like Mark Maron, like I do. I love Mark Maron. So he's, he's like Mark Maron to the nth degree. Like, <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> and obviously, it's like based on wrestling, so I have to like. Yeah. I have to watch it. Um. So tomorrow, we because this is gonna go up pretty much immediately. Uh, tomorrow you will be yeah. in Sarnia, which I feel like is a fake fucking place. <laughs> Dude, I when when they said that, I was like. <laughs> Where, do I have to fly there? I thought it was like literally like a Europe. Yeah. They have an airport I was like in Sarnia? Waiting. No, there's oh, no okay. way. But okay. like I was like waiting I was like I was like, fuck man, I'm going to another country and they're like, Yeah, Canada and I was like Sarnia? Like that sounds like it's like in the eastern block. Like I'm going to like I might get stabbed in a fucking bathroom by Halal Beefcake in Sarnia. I do got to say your promo photo for the uh, the flyer. It looks like you really darkened your beard, a la Hogan for NWO. For did I really? It looks like I, it. It looks that, so dark. I, I did that that like uh, Braxton Sutter in in Alley. I did that like in their apartment. Like Alley has like a full like setup and stuff like that. That's crazy. It, it, I, maybe I'm going full stash. I'm shaving tonight. So. I was gonna say it, based on the promo photo, like between the black hat, the black cutoff, your beard just looks. Uh, so fucking black that I was like, I'll That's... just for men this shit. <laughs> I'll do a Hogan. There you go. Well, I think there's no better way to to end this than uh, doing a Hogan. So thank awesome. you very much for your time. Yeah. Uh, good luck tomorrow. I will be on a plane heading to Boston. So yeah, that's all right. Uh, Boston's you... cool. So that was my chat with Andy Williams of the band Every Time I Die and with Smash Wrestling. For those of you in the Canada or Michigan areas, specifically over by the border by Detroit and the Thumb area of Michigan, uh, Andy will be wrestling at Station Music Hall tomorrow, July 8th, with Smash Wrestling, where Andy will be tag teaming with Blackwood against Halal Beefcake. Uh, I will be looking for the video that Andy was talking about in this interview, the rebuttal back to uh, Halal Beefcake, and we will hopefully see a solid match tag match between uh, those two and who knows maybe it'll start a feud where uh, there'll be a couple more matches and all that kind of stuff uh, once again want to thank Andy for taking the time to talk with me about wrestling it's one of those things as you heard in the interview wrestling has become a pretty big part of my life again growing up out on the east coast my parents are big into wrestling we used to get all the pay-per-views uh, and stuff like that and used to watch like old AWA and NWA and all that kind of stuff just wrestling was a huge part of my childhood so as I get older and now I'm married it's great that my wife is slowly getting into wrestling and we go to you know Monday Night Raws and stuff when it comes around here to Grand Rapids or within the Michigan area uh, maybe one day when I don't have a trip to go on I will be able to see Andy wrestle which would be awesome uh, and I need to start partaking more in the indie independent scene as a whole uh, I do the 
do it with music when I go to a lot of local shows and smaller shows and little halls and stuff like that. So I should apply that to uh, wrestling because, you know, maybe some of the people I see wrestling will become superstars of tomorrow in across the various promotions that there are between, you know, some of the affiliates that uh, Andy was talking about and like ROH and New Japan and stuff like that. And even if they don't, it's just great just to support something that you're passionate about. So maybe I need to be more like I am with my music and, and go support independent wrestling. Uh, and then I'll be able to see people like Andy and, and all these other people that he, you know, mentions constantly when you look at his Twitter feed. Speaking of Twitter and social media, you can follow Andy across uh, Instagram and Twitter at Andy Complains. Uh, if you'd like to follow me, you can do such on Facebook and Instagram at John's Untitled Podcast. You can tweet at me at John's Untitled Pod, or if you would like to follow me on YouTube at John's Untitled Podcast. Uh, there will be the live video, or not live, but there will be the video of Andy and I talking if you like to look at two dudes who are in their mid to late 30s and early 40s <laughs> wearing band t-shirts and such because... Well, apparently we don't ever grow up, <laughs> which I guess is why we still love wrestling because we, we don't ever grow up. There's still the little child in us, uh, still, still going strong. Uh, but yeah, if you want to see this, uh, the video will be up on YouTube here very shortly. Uh, if you would like to uh, rate, review, and subscribe this podcast, you can do such uh, however you find it, whether it be on Apple Podcasts, I guess, which is the new term for this shit, uh, SoundCloud, Stitcher, all that stuff. However you find this podcast or you're listening to it, uh, rate, review, subscribe. That greatly helps out. And we are going to exit this episode with theme song by the Hollywood Blondes, which if you don't know who they are, I'm not even going to fucking tell you because you should fucking know they're a rad tag team. And if you knew anything about wrestling, you should know at least who one of the people in the Hollywood Blondes is because they are one of the greatest wrestlers of the last 20 years as far as fame and all that kind of shit. So uh, we're going to play this episode out with the Hollywood Blondes theme. And as Andy said, when I asked him what he wanted it to be played out to, he said this theme because it is, quote, straight up pitiable. And I have to agree. So without further ado, here is the theme to the Hollywood Blondes. Catch you next time. (laughs) 